bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need the legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Happy New Year. I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, January 4th, 2011. In this first podcast of 2011, I'll discuss some of the first items of business that Congress is likely to consider when it convenes this week. In the low-income housing tax credit discussion this week, I'll examine how states scored in a ranking of their use of tax credit assistance program or TCAP funds. Turning to new market tax credits, I'll discuss the possible timing of the next round of allocations and applications. In the renewable energy discussion, I'll review guidance released last month by the IRS regarding the deduction for renewable energy under Section 179 Cap D. And finally, in the historic tax credit portion of this week's podcast, I'm going to talk about guidance released by Colorado regarding its conservation easement tax credit. So if you're ready, let's get started with the new year. The new year officially starts for Congress tomorrow when the 112th Congress will convene. The first order of business will be to swear in the House of Representatives, all 435 members, and to also swear in the 30-plus new members of the U.S. Senate. After that, the Senate and the House will formally elect their leadership. One of the initial legislative priorities of the new Congress will be to address appropriations legislation. As many listeners know, before adjourning last month, the 111th Congress passed a continuing resolution to keep the government operating until March 4, 2011. All agencies funded by federal appropriations are currently operating under an extension of the resolution that continued funding at fiscal year 2010 levels, when fiscal 2011 began on October 1st. In an acutely deficit-minded environment, it's unlikely that any appropriations for the 2011 fiscal year will contain significant increases. But we will follow the process and update you in future podcasts. Likewise, tune into this podcast each week to hear the latest developments related to legislative issues that will affect the low-income housing tax credit, new markets tax credit, renewable energy tax credits, and the historic tax credit. And during the year, if you have questions about a bill being considered by Congress or you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed in this podcast, I encourage you to contact us. Send an email to cpas at novaco.com or to me, michael.novagradic at novaco.com. In a related budget item, the Obama administration announced last week that the release of the president's annual budget proposal is going to be delayed by a week. The administration says the delay was caused in part by the six-week delay in the Senate's confirmation of the new budget director, Jacob Liu. The president's budget proposal is released each year at the start of the appropriations process and functions largely as an outline of his priorities for lawmakers, lawmakers who are under no obligation to include any of its proposals. For the most part, though, it does serve as a starting point for debate, and this year, that debate is expected to include discussions of deficit-cutting measures. Rumors last month did suggest that the President's budget proposal may include some of the suggestions put forth by the National Commission on Fiscal Responsibility and Reform that the President convened last year. 
In local housing tax credit news this week, as many listeners will recall, last year we discussed HUD's plans to reallocate approximately $16 million of recaptured Tax Credit Assistance Program, or TCAP, funds, recapturing it from those states that did not meet statutory requirements for use of those funds. Each of the remaining states were scored on their use of TCAP funds. The scoring was to determine eligibility for receipt of additional funds from the recaptured funds. Those rankings were released last month on HUD's website, and they've been posted online at www.novaco.com. The reallocation rankings included a number of data points for each state. These data points included the amount of TCAP funds that were allocated, the amount committed as of December 18, 2010, the amount actually dispersed as of December 18, 2010, as well as the number of total TCAP committed housing units and the total number of TCAP completed housing units. And then there's other information as well. These categories were then translated into three scores. There was a commitment score, a disbursement score, and a percentage of units completed score. And then the three scores were combined for a total score. This total score was then assigned to each state. Now based on these scores, the top five ranked states are Rhode Island, Iowa, Puerto Rico, Minnesota, and Idaho. Obviously Puerto Rico is not a state, but uh, colloquially, we refer to states when we're also including political possessions. Georgia was ranked sixth in the nation in the use of their funds. In an email last week, the Georgia Department of Community Affairs also noted that it expects that it will have access to additional TCAP funds. Projects that are awarded loan-closing tax credits in fiscal years 2007, 2008, or 2009 are the, are the projects that are actually eligible for this TCAP funding. Now, HUD has published guidance that says that any funds awarded through this reallocation process is not going to be included in calculations that determine grantee compliance with the next statutory deadline of February 16, 2011. And that's the deadline by which time TCAP grantees, namely the states, must have expended 75% of their TCAP allocation. These reallocated funds and all other TCAP funds, though, must be expended by the February 16, 2012 deadline. And if not, they'd be recaptured by HUD and then returned to the Treasury Department. Now, we're going to continue to monitor notices from HUD, and we'll update our listeners once we know which states received reallocated funds, as well as knowing how much each state did receive. In new market tax credit news, the big news continues to be the impending announcement of the eighth round of allocations. We don't have a specific time yet, but we do expect it to be in the next several weeks. As most of our listeners will recall, last year on June 4th, the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund received a total of 250 applications for a requested amount of allocation authority of $23.5 billion. Our listeners also know that there's $3.5 billion of allocation authority available thanks to the passage of the tax extenders legislation last month. That tax extenders legislation also included funding for a ninth allocation round of $3.5 billion. Just as we don't know when the eighth round awards will be announced, no official schedule or timetable has yet been released for the next allocation application round or the ninth round with the $3.5 billion that was approved by Congress. Remember, though, 
that in October, the CDFI Fund's Rosa Martinez did tell attendees of Novograd & Company's New Market Tax Credit Investors Conference in Chicago that if the program was extended and awards were announced by the end of last year, then she believed the CDFI Fund would have a 2011 round and that that round would be planned around a similar time frame as the 2010 application round. Now, we also know that the extension was delayed and award announcements weren't made last year. So it's unclear to us right now what the timeline for the next round will be. Novograd & Company is monitoring the situation closely and will share updates with the tax credit community as soon as additional information becomes available. To be among the first to learn the latest New Market Tax Credit news, I do invite you to subscribe to our free industry alert email service. You can sign up online at www.novoco.com. You can also follow me on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash Perhaps the best way to stay up to date on the latest news and developments in the new market tax credit arena is to join Novograd & Company and hundreds of other community development professionals at the New Market Tax Credit Conference that's being held later this month. Specifically, the conference is going to be held in San Diego on January 27th and 28th. We'll offer two networking receptions and a full schedule of panel discussions designed to address topics of interest to the full range of tax credit and development officials and professionals in attendance. To register or to learn more about the conference, simply go to www.novaco.com events. I do hope to see you there. In renewable energy tax credit news, the IRS recently published guidance on claiming deductions under Internal Revenue Code Section 179 Cap D. Now under IRC Section 179 Cap D, a taxpayer can deduct the cost of energy-efficient commercial building property, subject to several limitations. When energy-efficient property is installed on or in government property, then the deduction can be allocated to the person primarily responsible for designing the property, since a federal, state, or local government has no benefit from such a deduction. In Associate Chief Counsel Memorandum 2010-7 that was released last month, the Internal Revenue Service has said that where a government entity allocates a tax code section 179 cap D deduction for energy efficient commercial buildings to a partnership or S corporation, then the entity's partners or shareholders must reduce the adjusted basis of their partnership or S corporation interest. The reduction needs to be by the amount of the section 179 deduction allocated to them. The memo also says, and this is the key point, that basis limitations under Section 704D and 1366D will serve to limit the benefit of the Section 179 deduction to that partner's adjusted basis in their partnership interest or S corporation stock. The IRS noted in this memorandum that a growing number of taxpayers have taken the position that the Section 179D deduction is available to partners or shareholders without regard to the basis limitation rules contained in Section 704D and 1366D. The IRS said in cases where the uh, allocatee of the deduction are partnerships rest corporations, then in those situations, partners rest corporation shareholders typically have insufficient basis in their ownership interest to actually claim any ordinary loss generated by the allocation of the Section 179D deduction. A copy of the memorandum is posted online 
at www.energytaxcredits.com. If you're finding that you are limited by these rules, I'd encourage you to contact my partner, Stephen Tracy, at 415-356-8000. In historic tax credit news, Colorado has issued a final rule for conservation easements. Specifically, the final rule implements the requirements and procedures for submitting a claim to receive Colorado's conservation easement tax credit, and the rule went into effect last week on December 30th. The conservation easement tax credit is available to taxpayers that donate a perpetual conservation easement that encumbers real property, and the donation needs to be made to a governmental entity or to a charitable organization. According to the Colorado Environmental Coalition, conservation easements are the primary land preservation tool in Colorado, accounting for more than two-thirds of all conserved land in the state. The original tax credit legislation was passed more than 10 years ago in 1999. Conservation easements are sold or donated by private landowners to not-for-profit or governmental entities. Property owners may continue using their land subject to these easements. However, they have to give up certain rights, such as the right to develop or subdivide. In exchange for the donation, the landowners receive a transferable income tax credit for 50% of the fair market value of the conservation easement, up to a maximum of $375,000. The amount of the donation, however, must be supported by a qualified appraisal and must comply with several other aspects of state and federal law. The tax credit is limited to donations that qualify as qualified conservation contributions under Internal Revenue Code Section 170H. To claim the credit, a taxpayer does have to have a recorded a valid deed of the conservation easement. Now a list of the documents that have to be included in a claim for a tax credit certificate you should look to Regulation 725-4. This regulations, or these regulations were issued by the State Department of Regulatory Agencies and were published in the Colorado Register on November 25th. I also note that under the final rule, a credit cannot be claimed prior to the year for which the tax credit certificate is actually issued. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Please join me again next week. Among other items, I'm going to discuss the numerous provisions that were not, that's right, those provisions that were not included in the tax extenders package that was enacted late last year. I'll also review the likelihood of such items passing this year. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.